You're listening to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We hope you're encouraged and strengthened as you listen to this week's message. Hallelujah. Come on in. We had a dear sister run up to uh, John Lampanero and said, my heart is overflowing and ready to receive what you have for us this morning. That's a really good word. Just to be prepared, to be ready, to have a heart that's ready to receive. Can we just say, I have a heart ready to receive? Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know John, John, John's been part of this family for, what, 30 years? Close to 30 years? Yeah, he's, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was a teenager here. No. But John Lamp is a dear brother, a dear friend, a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. He's a faithful servant. He's been just, God's been doing beautiful things in him, and, and um, we have been sharing and talking, and God's got a, a word for him. But, you know, we, Pastor Bob Muncie said something last week that we've been focusing on it as a family. And that's not looking at each other with the eye of being really familiar with one another. Because sometimes what that does, it just kind of hinders, you know, well, there's, there's Ralph, the, the laundry guy, or there's Dick, the teacher. Or, and, and sometimes what it does is it limits who we are in Christ and what, how God wants to use us. Because of we've been together for so long. And, um, you know, so... The scripture base for that is don't look at each other in the flesh. Properly discern one another. Properly see each other and the value and the anointing and the call of God on our lives. And I want us to give John a welcome as if he traveled from Redding, California. See, because that's, that, you know. John, come on up. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. You. Oh, praise God. Thank, Thank you, John. Redding, California. <laughs> All the way from California. <laughs> awesome. Started attending New Hope Community Church in 1980. 1980? Yes. Wow. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. You are awesome, wonderful, marvelous, incredible. Love your word, Lord. I love it. I love your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. John 21. Let's go right to it. Reading from the New American Standard Bible. <clears throat> After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. He manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas and Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, which were James and John, and two others of his disciples were there. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will also come with you. They went out and got in the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, Children, you do not have any fish, do you? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find a catch. So they cast, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. 
Therefore, the, disciples whom, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard it, that it was the Lord, he put, out his, put on his outer garments, for he was stripped for work, threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards away, dragging that net full of fish. When we got to land, they saw the charcoal fire had already been laid and fish been placed upon it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up, drew the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to him, Come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples ventured to question him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said, Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, shepherd my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, Do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself, walk wherever you wished. But when you go old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he had said, glorifying what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned around. He saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had also leaned on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is this one uh, who said to Jesus, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? And Peter said to him, uh, Peter seeing him said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Therefore this saying went out among the brethren, that that disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say that he would not die, only that if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is testifying to these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. There are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. This is an incredible season in history in the time of Jesus and the disciples. It's right during that 40-day period between the crucifixion and resurrection and the ascension. There's a 40-day stretch where Jesus walked on the earth after he was resurrected. Ten days after he was, he'll ascend, we'll have Pentecost. We'll have the birth of the church. There's so many incredible historical events that happened in this short amount of time. The passion of Jesus the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension, and Pentecost are all bunched into this 51 or 52-day period. Just a lot of good stuff. It's one of the, considered one of the greatest chapters in the Bible, uh, one of the greatest five chapters in the Bible because it deals with the resurrection. Um, we know who the key players are, so like a good book or a good chapter, we'll identify them. We know who the key players are. We know Peter, right? We know Thomas, Nathaniel. 
The sons of Zebedee, which are James and John, we have five. We have two other disciples who shall go nameless. It just says other disciples. Other, like in Star Trek, you know, the guys that wore the red shirts? These are like the two guys that had the red shirts on. They're going to eventually die somewhere in the show. But no, these guys don't die. Um, and two others, we have seven. And they're fishing. They're the fishing disciples. Luke's not there. He's a physician. Matt's not there. He's a tax collector. But these are the fishing disciples. Peter says to him, let's go fishing. He's a leader. And they say, okay, let's go fishing. So they're on the side of the lake, and they're going to go fishing. They're going to go do something that's familiar, something that's safe, something that's comfortable, something that's like a default. They're kind of, you've got to understand, these guys are kind of like in no man's land here. I mean, they're trying to believe. I think at this stage in the game, they believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. But I don't think they had any idea it was going to play out like this. Certainly not the arrest, trial, scourging, crucifixion. They could have in no way anticipated that or predicted that. So now it's a couple weeks after that, and I'm sure that they're processing. They're, pro they're processing what just happened. Um, and they go back to what is familiar and what is they understand. They're going to go back to fishing. Um, they're probably still reeling from all the gut-wrenching things that took place because many of them, if not all of them, were involved in the scattering. Jesus said, if you strike down the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. And that's exactly what happened. A few of them were involved in the denial. So they're wrestling with failure and guilt and shame. This stuff hasn't been dealt with. I mean, they're pretty sure that Jesus is who he said he is at this stage in the game. They're not really sure that they are who they wanted to be. So they're fishing. And they fished all night, fished all night, and they didn't catch anything. Remember that song? So they go to their default, and they still can't catch any fish. Talk about adding insult to injury. You know? They're fished all night, and they didn't catch anything. Anybody get any flashbacks here of Luke 5? Remember the first time he met these guys? Same thing. He was preaching. Asked Peter if he'd get in his boat, push off from shore, finished preaching. Said to Peter, throw in the nets. Peter said, we fished all night. Remember the story, right? Luke 5. Fished all night, didn't catch anything. But just because you say so, we'll try it again. Boom, throws a knot out, pulled up, net almost breaks. Peter falls in his face, Lord, I'm a sinful man. This is like an echo. This is like a bookend, isn't it? You have Luke 5 and you have John 21. Jesus comes back and he's about to lay the whole same thing on him again. Think about Jesus. I, I wonder what was going through his head. He's processing. He just went through one of the most terrible, horrendous events that anyone could endure. All, think of it. The arrest, the trial, getting beat up by the Roman soldiers, the scourging, right? Having to stand before the priests and be mocked when he knew, like, if he wanted to, he could call angels, wipe them out. 
carrying the cross, the Via Dolorosa up to Golgotha, being nailed to that cross. Don't tell me this stuff is not fresh in his head. Now, he's not in sorrow or pain, but it's fresh. I mean, all he has to do is go like this and look at his hands. And he knows that he was the one. He just did it. I wonder if, I wonder if Jesus ever... <laughs> I wonder if Jesus ever said to himself, wow, I did it. I drank the cup. I did it. I drank the cup. Everything my father asked of me, I did it. I embraced it, man. I did everything that he asked me to do. See, he's on the other side now. He's on a downhill side. He's got 40 days and he's out, right? He's going to ascend into heaven. He's going to give the Holy Spirit a fist pump. He's going to tap out. The Holy Spirit's going to tap in, and the church is going to be born. He's got 40 days, right? He's done. He did it. Everything. He drank it. He finished it completely. But you have the disciples, his brothers, who are really wrestling through what part they play in this. So he appears on the shore. You know, don't you love it when you go fishing and somebody asks you, did you catch any fish and you didn't catch anything because you're not carrying anything? You go, no, I didn't catch any fish. You know, <laughs> thanks a lot. But he does it again. He says to them, did you catch any fish? And they say, no. Actually, he asked them, did you catch any fish that we could eat with bread? That was kind of the, the, the commentary there. Did you catch any fish we could eat with bread? No. Throw any net over the side. Should've, these guys should have been getting like major deja vu here. <laughs> But it still says they didn't know who he was, right? Just like the road to Amazes. He blinded. He, he prevented them from seeing who he was. Even when they heard his voice, they still didn't know it was him. It's not until after the miracle that John turns to Peter and says, it's the Lord. <laughs> Duh. It's the Lord. Right? Think about it. Throw the, throw the net over. You know, I, it wouldn't have happened with me. If I was fishing all night, net in, pull the net up. Nothing. Net in, pull the net up. Net in, pull the net up. Net in. All night. Then some wise guys up on the shore. Did you catch anything? No. <laughs> Throw the net in again. Shut up. Why don't you get out here? You know? All right. Guy says, <laughs> guy says, throw it in again. Yeah. You know what? Let's just throw it. Let's just throw it in. Or else he'll just keep yelling to us. All right. Throw it in. Huge catch. All the lights go on. John says to Peter, it's the Lord. Peter, you got to love Peter. Impulsive. I love Peter. He's a great guy. He really is. He's right out there. He's, right, he's the point guy. He's out front. Throws his clothes back in. Jumps in the water. And the other disciples are great. Good news and bad news. Good news is we got 153 fish in his net. Bad news is we're now we're one man short. It's Peter swimming to shore. Peter, why do you do that? How about a little help here? It's your boat. <laughs> Peter gets to shore. Jesus is there. Jesus says, bring some of the fish that you caught. Jesus had some fish himself. He had some bread. Bring some of the fish you caught. So they bring the fish, and they're having breakfast. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you my take on this, and you don't have to agree. As the fishing 
party was not a Caribbean fishing party boat atmosphere. Because these guys, as I said, were probably really wrestling through lots of stuff. There probably wasn't a lot of chatter, high-fiving. They were just fishing. Probably quiet on the boat. I don't know. Is this, is this for me? Did I sign up with the right guy here? Now they're sitting around in there having breakfast with Jesus. I'm going to say it wasn't like a table at IHOP. They were looking at each other. Table for eight. Seven disciples. Jesus. They're looking across the fire. And he's handing out bread. He's handing out fish. Bread with fish in it is a fish sandwich. Right? They were having fish sandwiches for breakfast. However you feel about that, it was a fish sandwich. <laughs> I like fish sandwiches. I don't know if I'd have them for breakfast. Anyhow, Jesus is taking fish off the fire. He's putting them in the bread. He's reaching across the fire. They can see the nail mark in his hand. He's handing out food. I don't know what you think about this, but I don't think it was one of those Hollywood around the fire, Jesus, coiffed hair, beautiful complexion, on the rebound. I don't think he was all beat up, swollen, bloody, but I bet you he had some scars, perhaps, around his head from where the thorn was, some visible signs that he once had the thorn on his head. He probably had some whip marks, maybe, on his hands, from the lashing, maybe, on his legs. We know he had holes in his feet and his hands, or scars where they were. And these guys are looking across the fire at this. And he's handing them food, and they're eating. And I'm imagining that they spend a lot of time choking down their sandwich and staring at their sandals, not knowing what to say. Remember, these are the guys that said, even though all may leave you, I'll never leave you. Right? It's, that's these guys. These are the guys that said, you know, can we sit on your right hand and your left? These are the guys that said, yeah, we can drink the cup. We can be baptized with the baptism you were baptized. These are the guys. These are those guys. We'll never fall away, man. We're good. And in case you want to lay the whole thing about Peter said, you know, I'll never deny you. It says right after all the disciples said the same thing. These are those guys. Said, we're with you, man. But when the time came, they caved. And they're sitting across the fire from the guy who said, you know, if you've confessed before men, I'll confess you before my father. That guy. You know, if you deny me before a man, I'll deny you before my father. Whoever doesn't hate his mother, his father more than me, is not worthy of me. Right? Take up your cross, follow me. That's that guy. These guys are sitting across the fire from that guy, and they're having breakfast. And this whole issue of what happened during the passion of Christ, during that time, has not been dealt with. It's just hanging out there. And Jesus is looking across the fire. He has 40 days, and he's in damage control mode. He has got to bring these guys back. Because they don't. <clears throat> they believe in him, but they don't believe in themselves. They don't know if they have what it takes. And he's got to bring them back. He's got to get them back. Now, Jesus doesn't need them. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need me. He wants me. He wants you. He wants the disciples. What would you rather be needed or wanted? He wants them. He doesn't need them. 
Church is going to be born on Pentecost, whether Peter's there or not. But he wants Peter to be there. So he's going to bring him back. I want to talk a little bit about the dialogue between Peter and Jesus. Because to me, the more I meditate on it, it's a stroke of compassion and brilliance. Jesus is brilliant. How he can, in a few words, hit the center of the target, fix the problem, and correct it. Brilliant. Like with the priest and the woman. All right, whoever did the sin, throw the first stone. End the discussion. Shut down the crowd. One sentence. Able to hit right to the center of what's going on, right? Brilliant. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. I am not a Greek scholar, theologian, Bible school graduate, seminary graduate. I'm going to poke around here with the Greek. Don't be offended. Okay? (laughs) There's two terms here, agapeo, agape, agapeo, phileo. Agapeo is the divine love. It's a love of choice. It's a love of intention. It's a choice. It's a choosing to love. Phileo is like a love that comes from the heart. It's a love of affection, strong affection. It's not bad. But it comes from the heart, strong affection, strong feelings. Jesus begins the dialogue. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you agapeo me more than these? Do you choose to, intend to, as a choice of your will, love me more than these? Now, you've got to talk about the more than these thing. Because you can go either way on this. Was he saying, more than these? pointing at the disciples? Or or was he saying more than these, pointing at the fish, which represented Peter's occupation? You can go either way. I started out here, and I went here. Because would Jesus really ask, John, do you love me more than Ralph? Well, I don't know. I would have to crawl inside of Ralph, find out how much he loves you, then I'd have to measure his love, measure my love, I don't know. Probably the answer would be no which would really mess up the story. Right? Would that sound like something God would do, ask me to compare my love to someone else? And it's very likely he pointed at the fish. Do you love me more than your occupation? Because remember I told you I make fishers of men, and when I left you for a little while after resurrection, you guys went right back to your old occupation. That's a good answer. That's, you go either way. You pick. I pick a third way. I see Jesus, is, he's, he's healing. He's trying to heal Peter. Why Peter? All of them blew it. Why Peter? Peter's a leader. As Peter goes, so goes the rest of them. Hey, I'm going to go fishing. Hey, we'll go with you. That's the Peter. That's Peter. He's a leader. Jesus singles him out. I'm going to go after Peter. I think it was the third. Remember when Peter said, if all fall away, I won't fall away. I think Jesus was saying, Peter, do you love me more than these? Saying, why were you even getting into that comparison thing? I think that Peter got it. Now, when Peter answered him, he said, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. 
Jesus asked, do you agapeo me? Do you love me by choice and intention? Peter answered, yes, Lord, I phileo you. I love you with my heart, with passion, with intensity. But he didn't say, yes, Lord, I phileo you more than these. He just stopped and said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Message received. Peter got it. It's not a comparison thing. It's not me more than them, them more than you. I love you more than Cheryl. Cheryl's you more than Mark. Do you love me? First question. And he says, tend my lambs. Second question. Simon, son of John, do you agapeo? Do you love me? He's trying to get Peter to come up. Come on, Peter. Come up. Come up. Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. You know that I phileo you. He answers phileo again. You know that I love you with my heart, passion, intensity. Jesus says, okay, feed my sheep. Third time, he says, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? He comes down. He says, I'll meet you. Peter, I'll meet you. I'm going to get you here, but I'll meet you here. Do you phileo me? with intensity of your heart and passion and affection. Now, Peter was upset by this third question, and I think I know why, because it was an echo of his denial. Three denials, three questions. And I do not think Jesus was doing that to rub his face in it. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know all things. You know that I phileo you. Tend my sheep. I think that every time Peter said, you know that I love you, it undid one of those denials, and it fell off. You know, the I loves you, the I love you's were not for Jesus' sake. Is this he's suffering from some sort of intense introspection, inferiority, and I really got, you know, do you guys love me anymore? I don't know, do you love me? You know, it's not for him, it's for Peter. He's got to get it out of Peter. Come on, man, come back to earth. Do you love me? This is the key, Peter. Forget about all the other stuff. More than them, I'll do this, I'll go there. How about right today, do you love me? Three times. Three times, three confessions, three denials negated. I think it was a stroke of genius. He dealt with the past, the the denials. Jesus dealt with the present, the I love you's, and he dealt with the future. Tend my lambs, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. Isn't it interesting? You think about not only, when you, when you read, I tell you one of the best quotes that will stick with me for the rest of my life is something that Mark said years and years ago. He said, we read scripture too fast. We read it too fast. Slow down. Get the feel of what's happening here. Jesus is restoring Peter. And think about not only what was said, but what wasn't said. What didn't Jesus say that he could have said? What's up, Peter? Crash and burn. I told you you are going to deny me. I gave you the heads up. I warned you. And you did it anyhow. And all you clowns did it with him. I gave you, how many times I told you I'm going to be crucified, die. I I mean, what he could have said, but he didn't. Because he never uses 
God never uses guilt and shame. He refuses. He refuses. But in such a dialogue, he was able to speak to Peter in the past, in the present, and in the future. See, Peter, once you're assured in your love for me, I want you to go, and I want you to help others. I want you to help restore. Howard, can you, uh, or can you put up a scripture for me? Luke 22, 31 and 32. I love this. I'm putting on my top hat. Putting on my hat. Okay. Well, we'll keep going. There's somebody give me a heads up when it comes. Luke 22. I'll read it to you. I have a Bible right here. Look at that. There it is. Okay. Simon Simon. Remember, this is before. This is before. It says, Simon Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Next verse. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. He knew it. Go back. Can you go back to the scripture before that? 31. Remember he said sifted you? Satan has demanded permission to sift you like we. That really means he's obtained permission. See, the enemy can't do anything to you without God's permission. But in this case... He said, Simon, Satan has obtained permission to sift you like wheat. For some reason, God decided that this was going to be okay. And he allowed Satan to sift him. Now what Satan does is he throws everything up in the air, you know, the wheat, separate the kernel from the chaff, and he picks the chaff up and shoves the chaff in your face and says, that's all you are. He doesn't go after all the wheat, which is really what you really are. But the next verse, he says, when you turn, strengthen your brothers. How is he going to do that? Jesus just gave him the formula. Deal with the past. Don't hide the sin. Don't overemphasize it. And don't hide it. Face it and own it. Two, focus on what's the most important thing is, do you love me right now? And three is, the comfort with which you've been comforted, comfort others. Take that and minister it to others. He could have given a little class, but he just decided to use Peter. Wow, this is actually going to happen. He goes on to say, he says, you know, Peter, when you were young, you, you, you would dress yourself and bind yourself and go wherever you want to go. But when you get older, someone else will... will will bind you and gird you and take you where you don't want to go. And this he spoke of Peter, signifying my kind of death, he would glorify God. Does that mean ever, has it ever made sense to anyone? <laughs> he's going to die by someone taking him where he doesn't want to go because he's old. I had the hardest time with that for a long time. You got to dig a little bit, you find out that the word gird there means to be stretched out and tied to. So he said, Peter, when you're old, not only are you going to First, you're going to tend lambs, feed sheep, and tend sheep. And you're going to be old. You're going to live a nice, long life and be old. But when you're old, they're going to stretch you out and tie you to a cross. And this is what kind of death you're going to endure. 
that glorifies me. Peter knew it. That's the tense there. That's what it meant. You know, when they, when they used to crucify people, they didn't always nail them. Sometimes they tied them up. That's what it meant. He got it. He understood. Jesus immediately went to talking to him about the future. He assured him about his mission. Feed sheep. Tend sheep. Get involved. Get back into the kingdom, Peter. Yeah. And you're going to live to a ripe old age, and you're going to minister to people, and you're going to bless them, and I'll even give you the heads up on how, you, how you're going to die. And, it, and we, historically, uh, it was said that Peter opted to be crucified upside down, right? Inverted. Did you know that the book of John was written after Peter was martyred? John didn't get around to writing this book until Peter had been martyred at the hands of Nero, the Roman. Interesting. A little tidbit. I'm going to share a personal story, and then we're going to end it. <clears throat> I had a series of years in my life when I was less than passionate about the things of the Lord. I was cynical, judgmental. I was offended. I was disgusted. I was hopeless. I was discouraged quite a few years. I can remember tell you exactly right where I sat too. Grumbling, miserable in church. I purposefully walked off the playing field, sat on the bench, and took my helmet off. Because I was offended. And I was upset. And I was hopeless and depressed. I've called those years when I pray before the Lord, I've called them my lukewarm years. When I talk about them or pray to the Lord, I'll say, Lord, and, and I'll go through certain things that I know I did during those years that I ask him to forgive me. Lord, will you forgive me for treating this person this way? Will you forgive me for what I did over here? And forgive me for my miserable attitude, you know, during the lukewarm years. And I try to remember as much as I could and bring it under the blood just to make sure it was all taken care of. Lord, forgive me. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. Should have never gotten that situation. Should have never got offended. Should have never got upset. But I did. Forgive me for what I did during the lukewarm years. About four months ago, I was praying. I pray every day. But four months ago when I was praying, I, um, I mentioned it to the Lord. I said, Lord, I just, you know, ask you again to forgive me for the lukewarm years. Now, you can file this under whatever, but this is how he deals with me. Because he's a father. Yeah. Okay? He gave me a look. He went like this. <laughs> a look, it was a look of annoyance, of frustration. I stopped praying. I, I I said, Lord, what, what's, what's that? I mean, did I say something wrong? Right? I mean, wow. He said, John, <clears throat> and I'm probably going to cry because this is a dealing. He said, John, we talked about that. I've forgiven you. 
it's forgotten. I don't ever want to hear about it again. Yeah. In other words, God revoked permission for me to bring that up again. I don't ever want to hear that again. And he spoke it like an annoyed father. I don't ever want to hear that again. Guess what we haven't talked about? I ain't bringing it up. Got the message. Message received. I got it. And you can tell it's still tender. And those are the best kind of lessons, the ones yeah. that stay tender because it kind of helps you focus. Immediately after he said to me, I don't ever want to hear about it again, two scriptures came to me like, you ever get this stuff like lightning? It comes, yeah. bang, it's right on you like this. Two scriptures, Ephesians 3, and I knew right where they were. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Yeah. Hebrews 12, run with endurance the race that is set before you. Good. He said, John, Move forward. Move forward. I don't care what we deal with. I'm working in your life. I'm going to get you there. Yeah. You got to keep moving forward. Yeah. You don't have permission anymore to look back. Yeah. You know, it's very possible that there are people here that have stepped off the playing field I'm using football analogies for Ralph. Did you, get, did you see that? Field helmet. Okay. It's very possible that there are people here that have done the same thing. You've stepped off the playing field, you sat on the bench, and you took your helmet off, and you're staring at the grass. For whatever reason. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you're not the person you thought you would be. Maybe situations have happened that you didn't come through the way that you hoped, the way that you envisioned, like Hollywood. Should have done this, ended up doing this. You know, think about it. Peter caved in front of who? A servant girl. Not one of the high priests, not one of the scribes or the leaders of the day. He was brought to his knees by the questions of a servant girl around a fire. Think about it. Yeah. You ever go in a store, the Lord says to you, speak to someone, and you don't, and you walk out? This is why I love Peter. He <laughs> gives me hope. Yeah. Yeah. You know? The Lord tells you to do something, you do the opposite. You know? I was sitting there thinking, Wow, Sozo weekend and all that's been happening and the team from Delaware and God ministering and healing and doing a lot of stuff internally with people and just setting them free. Lord, how does this message fit? Yeah. What am I doing with this? Until I realized, you know, Jesus is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. He can talk to you about your failures and your sins in such a way that only you know. He can bring you to what's most important. Do you love me? You hear what he said? Short words. Do you love me? Follow me. Not big orator. <laughs> Keep it simple. Do you love me? Tend my sheep. Just follow me. 
keep it simple. I'm going to ask the prayer teams if they want to come up. There's four things that can happen. I figured this out, Grace. You can come up and have the prayer teams, people in the prayer teams, pray for you. You can just come up to the altar if you just need to talk to him. Yeah. Just do business. You can go to the Connection Cafe. Or you can leave the building. But you can't stay here. If you, take, if you have any conversation, anything you want to do, just take it out. Four things. Prayer teams are here to pray for you. Maybe you just need to talk to the Lord. Bring that thing before him. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. Yeah. And he loves you. And he keeps it simple. And he speaks in language you understand. Yeah. And he doesn't overwhelm you. And he brings you back. And he gets you back on the playing field. Come on, put your helmet on, man. Get back on the field. Let's go. Back in the game. Can you imagine the celebration that broke out when Jesus appeared in heaven when he ascended? The place just had to go to pieces. He's back for nine days. Because I think on the morning of Pentecost, everything went quiet. And they were all leaning and watching. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait. Pentecost morning. This is going to be great. And the church was born on Pentecost. And Peter, James, and John, they were all there. Fully restored. Father, I just pray that if there's anything in this of what I've said that's going to touch someone's heart, and it's going to just, maybe today, October 27th, it's time to just say, you know, Lord, I want to be done with lesser things. If this is a morning for you, then do business with him. I pray, Father, that it would, you said your word would go out and accomplish that, which you would send it to do, and it will not return void. I pray that that would happen this morning. Lord, I ask your blessing. People here, thank you that that they stuck through this. And I ask you to bless their day. And just minister to them today and this week. Let this resonate in their spirit and in their mind and in their hearts, Lord. Thank Thank you. you. In Jesus' name, amen.